Welcome to the Sorority Nutritionist Podcast. I'm your host, registered dietitian and weight loss BFF, Lauren Hubert. Growing up as a woman, I was told that you can't care about your looks, wear whatever you want, and be successful. But honey, let me give it to you real. You can have it all. I believe women can embody strength, sexuality, and power all at the same time. And in fact, I know the harder you feel, the more successful you will be. Each week, we are changing the narrative that women can be hot and successful at the same damn time and do it in a healthy way. Hey, hotties, and welcome back to another episode of the Sorority Nutritionist Podcast. I am so pumped for today's episode because we are continuing the diet train, baby. And no, I'm not trying to keep this train alive. I don't want you guys chronically dieting for the rest of your damn life. And that is honestly why. I am doing another episode on diet reviews. The first one was super bold, super opinionated. I know some people didn't like it, but I know for many women out there, why I use this platform is to give a voice to women who are on programs that aren't working for them and they don't realize and recognize why these programs are sabotaging them and potentially ruining their relationship to food and honestly getting them more confused and more frustrated with their bodies, even though they're promising to give you epic results. So full disclosure, I am opinionated at TSN. And most importantly, I am a dietitian. And there's a certain way I work with my clients. And it's because of programs like the ones we're going to talk about today. So, you know, full disclosure if you do follow any of these programs and you follow TSN, you're new around here. At the end of the day, I am not here to shame anyone for doing what works for them. But I do want to give a voice to women and a safe place for women who are on programs that may not recognize the science and the understanding and deeper just perspective on why certain programs can be very, very harmful and honestly just not give you results when we look at what is actually necessary for weight loss. So without further ado, it's time for the episode. Now you're probably wondering, what diets are you talking about, Lauren? So you guys probably don't remember, but it was probably almost two months ago now, maybe one and a half, two months ago that I went on my Instagram story before the first diet review episode. And I asked you, babes, what do you want me to talk about? Like I get questions about this diet, that diet every day coming through my DMs because so many women are on many of these diets or are contemplating a switch or, you know, on something and it's not working. So, you know, I did my first diet reviews episode and the two diets that I strategically chose for today's episode are based upon other really popular diets that many of my clients have done over the years, um, and specifically right now. So the two diets I selected for today to give you guys real talk on are South Beach and Whole30, and we're going to dive in right now. So the first diet I want to go over is South Beach. So looking at South Beach, I want to take a look from the top and then get into the nitty gritty details for you guys. South Beach is one of those programs that was actually created by a physician. And full disclosure, I say it all the time. My husband is a resident physician. He works so freaking hard and I have so much respect for healthcare workers. Knowing it's created by a physician can really give it like that stamp of approval. Like this is awesome. And I think a lot of doctors there's many amazing doctors out there, right? All doctors come in hopefully with good intentions. However, we do have to remember that, you know, my husband as a physician, he's not a dietitian. He's not coaching and counseling patients, right? He's 
in his specialty, just like this physician who created this diet is in his specialty of cardiovascular health. And basically the story of how South Beach was created is this physician was urging patients to lose weight for their heart health and really just taken from the South Beach website and one of the books that he wrote um, that describes South Beach diet. Basically what happened is every diet this physician was trying to have his clients and patients to follow, it was too hard to follow or its restrictions were too harsh. In fact, some were downright dangerous that they write on the South Beach website. And nobody seemed to be able to stick the low-fat regimens for any length of time, and a diet is useless if you can't stick with it. And hold up, I completely agree with this. South Beach is one of those 90s, 90s babies. Um, it's a 90s-based diet program. When, when we look back at the 90s, and guys, full disclosure, I was born in the 90s, so I was not on South Beach when I was like two or three years old, guys. Um, but real talk. The South Beach diet was created and really founded in an era where fat was considered bad. Fat was something that you weren't supposed to have because it was more high calorie than carbs and protein for the same amount of you know portion size. Um, and so that was really pushed then. And so many people failed these diets because they were cutting out fat and also not aware of what actually matters for weight loss, which is what we'll get into. And this really formed the South Beach diet. Now, knowing when this diet was created, it makes a lot of sense when we go into the diet details of what this program is about. So as an overview, when you look deep down into South Beach's website and all of the resources you find online for it, this was actually stuff I wasn't, I knew South Beach was a lower carb diet because I actually have a client who lost 30 pounds working with me before her wedding coming from 2020 to 2021. And she's a COVID bride guys. And with that in mind, she came to me like super avoiding carbs. Like that was a big, big thing for her. So I knew even without knowing South Beach, that South Beach had to have been a low carb diet because of how this babe was eating. Now, South Beach is actually broken down into three phases. There is phase one, which is about a two-week phase, and it's a rapid phase. We have phase two, which is a weight loss phase, um, and phase three, which is a maintenance phase. Now, we're going to get into the details, but what is interesting to me, and this is all just information taken from their website, I have not tried South Beach myself. I mean, you guys know I probably wouldn't last, Um, but phase one as a two-week phase is really a rapid phase for weight loss is what it seems like. And there's an expectation and documentation online that, you know, it's it's very normal for people to lose about eight to 13 pounds in the the two-week period for phase one. And it's, it's kind of expected to have rapid weight loss. And as a dietitian, I think having expectations, like right around when you first join a diet, like you're going to see weight loss at this rate, like that's great for marketing, but to be quite honest, that isn't always great for your body. Like some, just because something is happening and you're seeing weight loss, that's amazing. But a few bits of problematic information on my end that come up when I see, okay, first two weeks, you're going to lose eight to 13 pounds. One, that is a fast rate of weight loss. Losing eight pounds in two weeks would mean at that lowest amount of two week weight loss that they recommend, that's four pounds a week. And going like we've talked about many times on this podcast, 
going up to 1% of your body weight is like the highest amount of weight loss I would ever personalize and recommend to a client within a, a week time frame. And, and that's really because when you lose weight at a quicker rate, more of it's going to be your lean body mass, which is your muscle mass, which is responsible for not solely responsible for your metabolism, but really impacts your metabolism, your metabolic rate, how many calories you burn. And when you lose weight quicker, you tend to lose more muscle mass along with fat, but that rapid weight loss is not always great. And that's especially important too, because this diet isn't someone like assessing your diet and your weight before you get started. And if you already don't have a lot of weight to lose and you're going on South Beach to lose that last five or 10 or even 15 pounds, I mean, you don't want to lose weight that quickly. So if you were losing weight that quickly, like that is a big concern for someone who is trying to focus on fat loss in that last five, 10, 15 pounds and not just weight loss. So that is a big concern for me. In addition, um, a big thing I saw online with South Beach was how fruit is really labeled as bad. And so this kind of gets into the recommendations for South Beach. And I want to clarify that fruit is labeled as a food to basically avoid in phase one, that first two week phase, which I think any diet that at any point is telling you don't have a strawberry, don't have a banana, don't have a motherfucking apple. I mean, real talk, like don't go on that motherfucking diet because who, since when is fruit bad? Since when is something natural grown from the earth has fiber, has vitamins, has minerals, and is often something that many women aren't getting enough of. Why are we putting that off as bad? Yet we are told to buy packaged protein bars as a meal replacement on their website. And now you guys understand why I'm getting a little bit amped up over here. As I'm going through South Beach, there are so many things I am loving when you look at the surface. And I want to go over some of those things with you guys. So as we're looking at the South Beach diet, I'm actually on the Mayo Clinic's website and their kind of diet review of it as well. Um, because on South Beach's website, without buying the book, I had a lot of difficulty understanding what this diet is. And you probably have to pay for it to get all the information, right? But when we're looking at the diet details, this diet is a slightly lower carbohydrate diet. I wouldn't call it a keto diet and super restrictive and super restricting carbs, but it is a lower carb diet that emphasizes healthy fats. It educates you on how fats are not created equal. There are some fats that are more inflammatory, not as great for our heart health, um, which really aligns with the physician who created this diet, who was a cardiologist or is a cardiologist. But in addition to this, um, you know, South Beach also emphasizes fiber and whole grains, and it does at certain phases emphasize fruits and veggies. Um, but I do strategically know that in that phase one, uh, the fruit, to my knowledge, is really discouraged, which, which was an alarming thing that I saw online. But as we're kind of going through South Beach, I was specifically interested in their carbohydrate recommendations. Now, for most, females, most Americans, like the national recommendations, anywhere between 45 to 65% of your total calories is a good place to be in for your carb intake. Now, I definitely have some clients who are a little bit lower, you know, especially if you've done very low carb diets in the past, you prefer a higher fat diet, like those macros can really adjust. Um, but when we're looking at the carb recommendations for South Beach, um, their carb recommendations are lower. They could be, you know, 25 to 28% of your total calories, which gives you more wiggle room for protein and fat there, and really trying to maximize like the healthy carbs if you are eating them. But this, I think, is really positive compared to something like super, super restrictive, because if you're eating about 28% of your calories from carbs um, on like a 2000 calorie diet, that would be about 140 grams of carbs a day. So with that 28%, my next question is, okay, 
well, how many calories do women eat on this diet when they buy the food products on the website? Because nowhere do I see anything about calories, calculating your calories, understanding your nutrition recommendations. And we then go onto their website. And before recording this, guys, I am looking at some of their food choices. First thing I see is prepackaged foods. I see foods that you buy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, desserts, snacks, everything in between. Some of them are like seem more whole food based, but I'm sure like if you're shipping something, like it can't be 100% fresh. Like there's just no way. Um, I mean, even in the store, we don't get things 100% fresh. So if you're, if you ship in something, like how the F is that going to work out? Anyway, what became very alarming to me is that when we go into some of the entrees, and I'm going to pick on lunch right now, there were some foods that were like 350, 380 calories, like a little bit more reasonable. And, you know, thinking about the total day there. But then the food on the website, some of the entrees are an entree bar, which isn't a snack bar. It's listed as an entree bar. And they have a chocolate caramel entree shake. I want to tell you guys the nutrition facts on these products. There's a dark chocolate nut entree bar listed as a lunch option for 190 calories and eight grams of protein. There's a chocolate caramel entree shake mix listed for 190 calories and 15 grams of protein. Now I'm not going to lie. I didn't take breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, everything, and do the math with it. If you were like to choose things here or there. But I can already tell if you are buying all of these foods and you're going all into South Beach, if you had an entree bar with the other meals, just deductive reasoning from seeing breakfast and and dinner and some of the calorie ranges there, I mean, you're eating anywhere between maybe less than a thousand calories a day, 1200 to 1500 if I'm being generous. So if you don't have awareness and you're not understanding your calorie needs and you're restricting carbs, this is where the trouble comes in because this, the recommendations are, you know, this is a lower carb diet. You could have up to 140 grams, 20% of your total calories coming from carbs. But if you don't have an awareness of how many calories you're eating and your calories are very low, I mean, that's based on a 2000 calorie diet. If you're eating 1200 calories and you're eating many of these foods, I would be very, very curious how many grams of carbs you're actually eating. And maybe that is getting into the more keto realm. Maybe that's getting more into the very, very restricted low carb realm. And the bigger, the bigger thing and the bigger problematic issue is I can see why women are getting hungry on this diet. I mean, who the F has an entree meal for 190 calories, eight grams of protein, I mean, I, I don't know the vitamins and minerals and the full nutrition facts. It honestly was very hard to find on their website. They were showing basically the calories, the net grams of fiber, the protein, all of that. But I mean, it doesn't take anyone who has been around TSN for long enough. And, you know, us just having candid conversations about nutrition to know that how can that be nutritionally adequate for you? And how are we saying that in phase one, don't fucking eat fruit, but no, let's have this dark chocolate nut entree bar. Now I am not a South Beach expert. Maybe this dark chocolate nut bar is maybe not allowed in breakfast, but I mean, just even the thought of having anywhere affiliated with a diet program that you're on that they're saying not eat fruit, but they're selling you a food product is a complete red flag to me. Um, I think that can be really dangerous. And honestly, 
when I say dangerous, I mean, this has consequences to your relationship with food. And are you going to follow South Beach forever and eat all of their foods? And, you know, if South Beach works for you, that's awesome. Like if, if it's making you more aware and you're trying to eat higher fat, less, less processed carbohydrates, more whole grains and fruits and veggies, like the core principles of South Beach is really promoting. I'm all on board for that. I mean, that's the same shit that I'm recommending to you guys. But the the part where there are meals and bars and shakes for you to buy and there are 190 calories for a freaking full meal. I mean, I'm hungry even looking at this. And you want to be able to lose weight eating the most amount of food and calories. And what happens when you go out to eat? Are you just not following South Beach? Like, how does that work? Like this, this is not a sustainable lifestyle solution. This may result in weight loss for you, but if you're not following South Beach forever and doing this, I mean, odds are you're going to gain the weight back. And I, I would say that for any diet, not just South Beach, like if you have to eat certain foods and you, and if you don't eat them, you are not following the plan. Like that is just a really big red flag to me. So let's talk about the weekly weight loss. So when you go to South Beach website as well on the very bottom and like really small text, of course, small text, right? It says, for your weekly weight loss expectations, you can expect to lose about one to two pounds of weight per week. Now, I just want to call it as it is. If you're not calculating someone's calories and you're you know, specializing the deficit to equal roughly around 500 calorie deficit or whatever it is to lose that one to two pound a week, you can't say that you're going to lose one to two pounds a week. And there's no really way to know that by putting you on just like a really reduced calorie diet. But I, I do think one to two pounds a week, regardless of it, like that expectation they are setting is realistic and healthy weight loss. I know I like to say 0.5 to two pounds a week, depending on how much weight you have to lose, where your diet's at when you first start off. But this is a realistic expect realistic expectation. However, Without that calorie information, I just don't know where they're getting these numbers from. Um, and I'm assuming it's just from like seeing the research on, you know, the people that have lost weight. And yeah, I mean, these are my thoughts on South Beach. It's time to switch to Whole30. I have been so pumped to record this whole freaking 30. I keep saying whole freaking 30 guys. I am so pumped to talk to you guys about whole 30 because I know I didn't include it in the first episode, but whole 30 is one of the, the most followed diet programs ever that my clients have done. The amount of women I know that have done whole 30 is unfreaking believable. And I say this with a caution because I like many things about many programs but I really do think Whole30 can be a very, very problematic diet. And it's masked as healthy eating, fueling your body and treating it with respect. But in all honesty, this diet is basically a strict elimination diet you're supposed to follow for 30 days and a fast track to disordered eating. And I say that bluntly, knowing that Many of you babes may follow this diet actively right now, have done it, may have had good experiences on it. And I'm not here to offend you. I'm not here to make you feel bad. There are many things on this program that I do appreciate. But the lack of scientific background on this diet, the the pseudo science is what I call it, what many of my colleagues call it. And honestly, just like the the lack of awareness for your relationship to food. And honestly, the blame game on you for your weight with this, it, I think there is so much wrong with this program. So let's dive in. When we talk about Whole30, 
I want to talk about the focus of the diet first. Now, Whole30 is actually not advertised as a weight loss program, but let's be fucking real. The amount of people that go on Whole30 to lose weight. Now, I don't have data. This is all opinion-based. All of this episode is, guys. But let's be real. Who do you know that has gone on Whole30 just for elimination of your GI issues? Many people that, I mean, I'm obviously biased, but many of the women that have come to TSN that DM me, that email me after failing diets, they went on Whole30 for weight loss. So that just has to be addressed because I know there are people with GI issues who do go on Whole30, but the focus of the diet, when we're looking at it and talking about it from a weight loss perspective, right? Because I am a weight loss dietitian, we have to know that it's not being advertised for weight loss, but it is damn well being used for weight loss. And In addition, it's very interesting that this is a gut protocol because the website literally reads that the diet and Whole30 is is supposed to be used to put an end to unhealthy cravings and habits, restore a healthy metabolism, heal your digestive tract, and balance your immune system. I mean, there is a lot going on here. Cravings and habits, right? That relates to your GI health, undeniably. But when you're talking about cravings, I mean, since when do cravings associate with having bloating? Like, like no, when you think of cravings, you think of weight loss and restore a healthy metabolism, right? Involved with bloating and GI issues and all the things there and healing your digestive tract and immune system. But this diet is not a weight loss program, but I think it's really an immune health, gut health program being disguised as also trying to market to the weight loss crowd. Now, let's dive into really what Whole30 is. And I have notes over here um, and I really have the website pulled up that I have over here. So basically Whole30 is a 30-day program that you're supposed to follow for 30 days to do all the things we talked about, restore your gut health, have a healthy immune system and unhealthy cravings, all of that. Um, There's an in-depth FAQ. There's a book associated with it. And basically the first thing you see on the program rules on the website is yes, eat real food. You want to eat meat, seafood, eggs, vegetables, fruits, natural fats, herbs, spices, and seasonings. Snaps to that. I recently did sorority snaps on my story. I'm such a sorority girl, guys. Snaps to that. I mean, all things I want you guys to do. It also says to eat foods with a simple and recognizable list of ingredients. I like that, but I don't like it. Like a long list doesn't mean it's bad. Like you have to understand what's in the food. All food is chemicals. But yes, like a longer list can also mean like there's more shit added to it. Like absolutely get that. But a little bit fear mongering, right? Um, With a recognizable list of ingredients. Or you can eat foods with no ingredients at all, like an apple, like a banana, like chicken, right? When we get chicken breast, that shit's just chicken. And that's because they're whole and unprocessed. Then you guys better buckle up because there's a long list here. And I'm not going to bore you guys too much, but then there's the no list. And you want to avoid these strictly for 30 days. I'm not going to read the specifics because honestly, this could be five podcast episodes on all these topics, but you are told to avoid and for 30 days, do not consume added sugar, real or artificial. Do not consume alcohol in any form, not even for cooking. Do not eat grains. Do not eat most forms of legumes. Do not eat dairy. Do not consume carrageenan, MSG, or sulfites. Do not consume baked goods, junk foods, 
or treats with quote unquote approved ingredients, basically making them healthier, do not step on the scale or take body measurements for 30 days. Okay, where do I begin? First thing, I talked to you guys about how this program is about healing your gut and making yourself healthier, right? Ending cravings, all of that. But you want us to take body measurements. So I'm confused. And now here it says, the whole 30 is so much more than weight loss. And to actually focus on body composition means you'll overlook the other dramatic lifelong benefits this plan has to offer. So no weighing yourself, analyzing body fat, or breaking out the tape measure for 30 days. Not a bad recommendation, but the mask is kind of getting taken off. It is about weight loss as you look deeper and deeper into this. And that's why it's being marketed so successfully in that realm. But it's very confusing on the outcomes they are telling people to achieve. Like at least South Beach is like, yo, yo, honey, you're going to lose one to two pounds a week. Whole 30s, like this is, you, you're going to lose weight and you're going to feel, you're literally going to be the whole package, right? Which is amazing. I want you to be the whole package. But like to say it's like the weight loss, but like not the weight loss, like pick a side, pick a lane because, you know, are you a weight loss diet or are you not? Then we dive into this avoid list. Some of the things I wanted to highlight for you guys, because I can't do it all. Like I would literally like, it would just be such a long episode and you guys would like kill me. But many foods on the avoid list are associated with inflammation. And when you're thinking of a gut health protocol, elimination diets are still something dietitians, physicians, many individuals use to find out their sensitivities, to find out issues with metabolizing and digesting certain foods. This is not rocket science. This is something, this is not something new, but to put people without consulting them and understanding what their symptoms are and understanding their medical history and status and having a program that's just like, here's this elimination diet, follow it. That does so much fucking harm. And it's unbelievable. It pisses me off so much because your like many of the foods on this list are also so counterintuitive because foods that they say cause and are associated with inflammation, such as high sugar foods processed with alcohol, Many of those foods are associated with inflammation, but many of the foods they put as to avoid, yeah, they may impact bloating and constipation and GI issues and immune health, but many of them are known to literally improve inflammation and your gut health, like undeniably. And that's why things like the Mediterranean diet, which is not a diet program like Whole30 or South Beach. The Mediterranean diet is a style of eating and also a lifestyle that was really taken from, honestly, really freaking healthy people in the Mediterranean area that are some of the people that live the longest and what, what their habits and lifestyle are. And I want to specifically call out whole grains, yogurt, kefir, and legumes. These are four different food groups or specific foods that are solely encouraged to not have on Whole30 for the 30 days because they're going to impact your gut health. Now, of course, yogurt and kefir and any sort of dairy product, I mean, if you have issues metabolizing dairy or there's some underlying other stuff going on, like these might be foods to get rid of. But when you don't have the root understanding of someone's medical health and history to say yogurt and kefir are bad for you, I mean, there is so much research on how yogurt, let's take yogurt, vitamin D, calcium, bone health for women, that shit's going to make you stronger, going to make sure you're not getting brittle and getting osteoporosis as you get older. And most importantly, there are more vitamins and minerals beyond just vitamin D and vitamin C in these foods. In addition to yogurt and kefir, these foods are known to have probiotics in them that are so unequivocally like pushed on you for gut health, right? You think of gut health, you think of probiotics. So to say that yogurt and kefir are 
inflammatory and are ruining your gut health and you should avoid them for 30 days if your goal is to improve your gut health, that's just not true. Not to mention that yogurt and especially Greek yogurt I'm thinking of, right? is high in protein, a great protein source. And if your diet is about body composition change, why are you not educating on this? And you're just saying, just avoid this huge red flag for me. Whole grains and legumes are another great example of this. Whole grains and legumes are high in fiber. They are the more less processed forms of carbohydrates. And we know people in the Mediterranean area, for instance, which is where I'm taking some of my, my biased opinionated opinion for you guys, you know, legumes, let's take chickpeas, chickpeas or beans, or, you know, anything like that, for example, they are very high in fiber. They are really nutritious packed carbohydrates with vitamins and minerals. And once again, they're from the freaking earth. I am sick of diets that don't educate about what's in our food and the health benefits of it. And it's not they just try to scare us. Like this is just not based on science. I can't even take it seriously. And things that I don't like that are really more opinion-based, this is, I mean, there's one thing with the science, but this is an opinion-based reason of why I think Whole30 can be really detrimental and what I've seen with my clients. And this is because one of the things that is just perplexing to me is one of the rules is that you can't create less nourishing foods and make them into like healthified ones. And I like this, but hate it simultaneously because I think many times we just like eat the healthy ice cream, that healthy pizza. And like, we're not aware of like the calories, right? We're not aware of the quality of our food and how like sometimes it isn't always healthier, but there are many times where we can healthify and save calories, especially for goal is weight loss, or our goal is even improving our health, where we can swap ingredients here or there when we have an understanding of nutrition. And that can be very helpful for our bodies, right? A great example is instead of ordering a Domino's pizza, we healthify it, we make it at home, we use a whole grain tortilla, make like a tortilla pizza, one of my favorite things to do in my air fryer, actually, or you get whole grain flour. And you make pizza from scratch. You get your hands dirty in the kitchen. Like that is something that they're discouraging on Whole30. And that's crazy to me. Like I want you to get in the kitchen, get your hands dirty and start making food at home. And that is automatically going to make it more nutritious. And I argue, probably make it more nutritious for your gut health and your immunity. Um, So that's something I personally don't like. And, you know, I think this diet is especially problematic just because if you slip up in your 30 days, you must start over. And just even the verbiage on the website that I'm pulling up for you guys right now, it's just, you know, really problematic when we're not educating and we're going to a website page and just following program rules on the website. And, one of the first things that stand out to me is this heading that it says it it's for your own good. And then it says, this is not hard. Fighting cancer is hard. Birthing a baby is hard. Losing a parent is hard. Drinking your coffee black is not hard. You've done harder things than this. It's only 30 days. And it's for the most, most important health cause on earth. The only physical body you will ever have in this lifetime. Hear me now. The whole 30 is exactly as hard as you decide it's going to be. So repeat after me, this is not hard. Without even going through the rest of these, Your diet shouldn't be hard to follow, but when you have this many rules and the precedent to do this for 30 days and how this is going to really impact your health, I I guess I'm just wondering from these creators, like you created this for 30 days, but you want me to follow it for every 30 days for the rest of my life. Like how am I going to keep getting those benefits? You're really confusing us. You're really confusing women out there because women are following this diet. And they may lose weight on it and you may like keep redoing it. Right. And I'm not sure how that quite works with whole 30, but 
your diet shouldn't feel hard and change may be hard at first, but drinking your coffee black is not a requirement for weight loss and requirement for being healthy. As I sit here, I am drinking my coffee black, but guess what? You can also fit in Starbucks. You can fit in pizza. You can fit in everything into your diet. And that doesn't come from following a set of rules that comes from putting in much harder work like any diet should be doing. And that's actually understanding nutrition and coming at it in a balanced and disciplined way. You know, you do have to show up and you have to be ready to put in the work. And you do have to want to make a change for yourself. And it's not going to be easy, but your diet shouldn't be so astronomically hard and you shouldn't have to fight yourself to stick to a program. So babes, that is all I have for today's episode. Please take a moment and leave a review. If you enjoyed today's episode, share it with a friend. And most importantly, I cannot wait until next week, another episode drops. See you then babes.